Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. I'm Kim Perez. I'm Amanda Montalvo. And we are functional nutritionists trained in a holistic, integrative approach to health and are founders of the Balanced Babe Method and Facebook group. We are on a mission to help women learn how to nourish their bodies, balance their hormones, and feel good in their skin. Because we've both dealt with our own health struggles, we are passionate about helping women become more in tune with their bodies and eliminate hormonal imbalances naturally through food, lifestyle habits, mindset, and targeted supplements tailored to each woman. We believe in the importance of intention, the power of intuition, and the value of prioritizing self-care. And we're here to empower all women. Before we get started, we want to remind you that we are not your doctor, and the content shared on this podcast is for informational purposes only. Please chat with your doctor before making any changes. secret? I don't wash my hair every single day, and that's because I use Primally Pure's dry shampoo. They use a combination of kaolin clay and organic arrowroot powder to help absorb excess oil, and then it also adds texture and volume. So I have really thin, fine hair. I have like a lot of it, but it's very flat. It's hard to curl, and so I use this regardless of whether I haven't washed my hair or not, especially if I'm curling it. I love it. They also add organic essential oils, so your hair feels clean. I can't recommend it enough. Simple ingredients, but it works really well, just like all their other products. You can go to PrimallyPure.com to get yours, and make sure you use the code BBP to get 10% off your first order. Welcome to the Balanced Babes podcast. I'm Kim Perez, nutritional therapy practitioner, and today I'm so excited to chat with my friend, Laura Bruner. Laura is a certified nutrition consultant, certified CrossFit trainer, safer skin advocate, co-host of the Modern Mamas podcast, and Mama to Evie Wilder. She's a firm believer in the mind-body-soul connection. Through her work with individual clients, her online training programs, and her seminars and workshops, Laura's goal is to educate and inspire towards intuitive shifts in daily habits and headspace, leading to healthier minds and bodies, increased strength and physical potential, longevity, and most importantly, the empowerment that comes with taking health into our own hands. She is so excited to have recently launched her Intuitively You online course and her Radical Roots fitness programs, her six-week postpartum fitness program and six-week fitness and flow for all, which I definitely want to talk about today. Laura, her husband, Rusty, and their almost two-year-old Evie are currently adventuring this country in their converted van, following their hearts, spending time outside, and connecting with their community. You can follow along on their journey on Instagram and on their YouTube channel. Welcome, Laura. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. This is such a treat. It's so fun to get to see your face and to have a whole hour just to chat. I know. I'm so excited. We have so many fun things to talk about today. I want to talk about everything that you're doing with your business, but also your personal life, because I think it's just it's amazing. And, <laughs> and um, it's all interweaved. It's kind of all one and the same at this point. <laughs> yeah, you're like living, you're really living your truth, which is really, really cool. And I love that. So um, we'll definitely get into all that stuff. But we always start these with some icebreakers. Um, so I picked a few that I think are really fun, you know, based on everything you promote and talk about. But number one, what is your morning routine? Hmm. I'll go based off of, so basically the, the reality of life is that it changes depending on where we're parked um, because we do, we live in a van. Um, we are currently in Portland, Maine, and we have found a really good rhythm. We've been here now four days, three mornings. Um, and so for the past three mornings, we, I won't say exactly where because some stuff stays private, but I'm not going to tell you where we live, but we found great places to park. Um, and I guess this will, this will air after we've been here. So the first couple of nights, um, we found a really great place to park that was allowed and also right by a coffee shop. And so, um, and then last night, similar situation, but yesterday we actually stumbled upon a place, thankfully from so many of our followers who recommended it called um, Urban Farm and Fermentary. And they ferment their own um, beer, mead, cider, kombucha, and June. And so we hung out there and we met the owner and he's like, hey, you've got a place to park whenever and wherever you want. 
um, in Portland. He's, we can park at that for mentry. So anyways, the past three nights, we've parked at a place near a coffee shop. So I, Evie wakes up to nurse about 5 a.m. I roll over and nurse her because we do still co-sleep. Um, and once she falls back asleep, I roll out of the bed in the van, um, change my clothes, and head to whatever coffee shop is closest. And I bring my, my work stuff and I just kind of settle in, get some coffee. I boost it. I bring all my, like, I do like a collagen, some mushrooms and a little MCT, get it in my coffee with my little travel um, frother, sit and work. Um, and that work might be answering boxes for my beauty counter team. It might be content creation for radical roots. It might be podcast editing, or it might be sharing on Instagram. Um, it could really be a whole host of things, but, and I usually get at least a couple of hours and then Evie will wake up. My husband, Rusty will kind of get her ready to rock for the day. And then he'll let me know. And I will usually head back with coffee in hand for him. And then from there, the day unfolds. It's really interesting because I feel like morning routine, um, you know, maybe what people have learned about it is like you do the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. and I think that's really cool and that works. But I find it interesting that like a lot of women that we've talked to so far and like I know for myself, like my morning routine, I have some sort of routine every morning, but it's different. And I like that, you know, you kind of go with the flow, which is yeah, what you're all about, but it, it differs, which is really cool. We call it a rhythm versus routine. And I forgot probably one of the most important pieces of my morning routine, which is a constant no matter what. And that's my flow. So funny that I skipped over that. I think because it is such a, it's almost like a second nature now. So where differs, but every single morning, the, one of the first things I do, whether I don't, it could be before after brushing my teeth and washing my face is flow. And I get a lot of questions about what that means. And you can find more about that on my fitness and flow for all programming, but I'm also creating a program that is just flow. And ultimately it's kind of a combination of movements from all of the different, um, experiences and certifications and coaching time and everything that I've had, um, a little bit of yoga, maybe in there, a little bit of, um, of like a DNS mindset stuff, a little bit of just whatever my body wants in the day. And it could be anywhere from five minutes to 20 and I get on the ground or sometimes on a picnic bench or sometimes on the van floor, um, typically on my yoga mat that I have here in the van. And I just move my body. It always starts on my back. It always starts with breath, letting the breath come into my like entire midline. So I think of it like a cylinder into my, um, I let my rib cage expand and my belly and my pelvic floor. And can I reconnect the diaphragm to the pelvic floor? And I just breathe. And then I go, just go through a series of movements, um, kind of taking every joint through range of motion. And that is my meditation to start the day. That is my way to really begin the day intuitively and to tune into my body and its needs and also my mind and my heart. And so this morning it was pouring out. And so, um, I scooted our van toilet aside and I pulled out my yoga mat and actually laid it on the floor of the van. And while Rusty and Evie sleep in the bed, I did, uh, I did my flow before leaving the van and the day before it was beautiful out. And so I took my mat, I actually didn't bring a mat, but I went to a little park right by where we parked and I found a bench and I did it on the bench. Um, so where differs, but what, and what differs depending on how I'm feeling, but the fact that I flow is one constant in my every morning. And I love that you said meditation, because I was going to say that it seems almost like a meditation, but more of a, like a deeper mind body connection, like moving your body is actually helping to kind of obviously warm up your body, but I'm sure has a lot of impacts on your, your headspace too. Absolutely. That, that time to just be intentional with breath. Even, um, I tell people if they're like, I just can't seem to work in a flow routine or rhythm in the morning. I'm like, that's fine. But I bet you could work in three belly breaths before you get out of bed. Even that can change the entire course of the day because those big breaths first off reconnect the pelvic floor to the diaphragm, which a lot of women, especially we hold a lot of tension in our pelvic floor and our uterus um, and me also in my diaphragm. And so letting that breath move through um, is a way to kind of just connect mind to body. Um, and it actually will help with core strength. It can help with injury prevention or recovery. Um, it's very powerful. And then, and also just downregulates the whole nervous system. So it can, if you wake up feeling stressed or anxious, it can just breathing can really help to downregulate and to kind of potentially shift the entire trajectory of the day. I know in my case, that's, that is yesterday I woke up and I got to work before I flowed. Um, and I felt the difference. And so I actually stopped what I was doing and walked to the park and got on the bench and moved and then got back to work. And, uh, it definitely makes it a big difference for me. 
That's awesome. The next question was actually going to be, what's your favorite self-care activity? I feel like that really <laughs> falls into it, but is there something else that you find that you do, especially when you are feeling like really stressed out, really overwhelmed? Walk. Um, you know, it used to be for a long time, like fitness was my thing and I would spend hours, literally hours a day. But it was, it wasn't from a place of self-love or self-care. It was, I, I, sometimes I use that as a guise, like this is my stress relief. And I was a very stressful, stressed out person. Um, and I always think about how fitness is a stressor, right. And, but, but I think we get kind of wrapped up in stress being only negative and ultimately there are positive and negative stressors on our, on our body and minds and stress leads to adaptation. Um, this is totally a tangent and I just pushed it too far. Like fitness is very important because small stressors on our body every day are what lead to adaptation and more strength and more adaptability and allow us to be, you know, better parents or better just functioning humans and society to be able to take on the unknown. Um, but we can, we can push it too far. And so for me, I was living in a state of chronic stress. And so now I found that moving my body every day is one of my non-negotiables. Um, and that morning flow will allow me to know what that movement will look like. If I feel kick ass when I, when I breathe and move my body and it turns into like a 25 minute flow, sometimes I'll, I'll flow straight into fitness. Like I'll grab a kettlebell and, and work out. Or I know that later in the day, I really want to push it a little bit harder. Other days I'm like, okay, this is going to be about like a, it's going to be maybe a longer flow, but more really, really gentle. And I know that today my fitness will just be walking and maybe working in some air squats throughout the day. Um, so movement and fitness are such a part of my life and they're such an important non-negotiable for self-care, but what I do changes so much depending on the day and the stress level and the time and the priorities. And, um, I'm not going to sacrifice. Like if I only have a little bit of time with my kid, I'm not going to work out instead. I might incorporate her into my workout, but I'm not going to skip that time with her. Whereas Laura of like four years ago would skip out on any relationship to work out because that was number one. I wasn't even serving myself with that. So movement is a huge part of it. And then also I think another important form of self-care for me is nutrition um, and eating foods that serve me in some capacity every day. Sometimes when we're traveling and we're in a place that's just so fun and there's so many cool foods to try, that service might be just purely like flavor and immersing myself in the local community and the local food. Um, other times I really focus mostly because my body tells me to on serving myself with like real deep nourishment. And so I've learned that tuning into what my body wants, depending on the, the moment and learning that emotional eating isn't necessarily a bad thing. And we can't actually divide the two, which I'm sure we'll dive into later, but eating foods that serve me every day based on what, again, my mind and body are telling me are the foods I need. <laughs> awesome. I love that because it is, it's just, these are, fundamentals of self-care and we tend to think of self-care I mean I'm a big proponent of it but like we tend to think of it as being like fancy fancy things like bubble baths and going for a massage right. honestly like the the things that we do every day are self-care and I I just love that you kind of fit it in and and recognize it and are intentional about it thank you it's taken a long time to get there but and I'll always be still, you know, it's always a work in progress, but it's something that I it's definitely things I think about every single day. Um, and fortunately my work also helps me stay, stay, um, intentional because if I ever lose that intention in my day to day, then I don't feel like I'm speaking or teaching from a place of authenticity. It's, it would be contrived. So I, uh, I work with women and then I also work with myself on a daily basis. Yeah. I think we tend to forget about that, especially as women. I think we're just concentrated on helping others and, you know, mm -hmm. doing what we can for everybody else, but it really does start with self. Yes. We got to fill our own cup. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes we can't honestly. And I, my friend shared something recently and it really resonated with me. She was like the whole concept of like, you have to fill your cup before you can help others. Isn't necessarily the case. Like we are so powerful as women where we can serve others, even if we're our cups a little bit empty, but not forever. Right. So like, it's so important to make sure we're touching base with ourselves and, and there will be times when things are a little bit harder and maybe we have to sacrifice a little bit, but because we are strong and we are able, but then we have to make sure that we come back and, and treat ourselves and love ourselves and care for ourselves and um, food and movement are such an important way to do that Absolutely. are such important ways. So I really want to dive into that intuition piece and kind of how you've got there, because I know that myself, Amanda, we've both found that, you know, we have a, similar stories in that, you know, and I think a lot of women relate to this. It's, it was extremes maybe before it was not listening to what we need from the inside, but taking that information from, you know, outside, outside sources. So 
I want to dive into a little bit more. I know you talked about your story a little bit, but like where, you know, what was the trajectory of getting to this point where intuition is so important and powerful and really does drive your choices? Yeah, man, it was a journey. (laughs) Um, So I, starting like sophomore, junior year of high school, I just started to, I, I was, I was a competitive field hockey player and I wanted to earn the spot of captain for, if you want to go way back. <laughs> and, um, my coach would had to put a ton of emphasis on fitness level in terms of just straight endurance and speed with running. So you were honored on this team if you could run above and beyond everything else. And, that, and when I came into high school, I was, did not like running by the time I finished my junior, um, summer, junior summer, I was probably one of the fastest on the team. And I earned that spot, but at the um, expense of lots of pounds of body weight and also lots of stress. And that's kind of just, that was like a trigger for me. And I'm not sure, you know, I could dive way deep into like, I, I also in that same year grew six inches, kind of came into a little bit more of like femininity from being, I was a late bloomer, et cetera, et cetera. I had identified myself as being a smaller person. I was always, my nicknames always had to do with my size and being mini and tiny. And so I think back now from this more of like a, mindful adult who's had a lot of experience working with other women. I'm like, man, we could unpack that, right? Like I was identified so strongly first as like someone who was tiny and so processing having to deal with that. And then, so I identified so strongly as this athlete. Um, and I think one thing that um, is super important to, to note is that we don't have to identify with any one thing and that can actually lead to a host of issues. It's more, we identify as who we are as one, as our person. And that person is constantly evolving through seasons. So that said, I um, ran myself literally into the ground and had to take some time off that senior captain year because of it. Um, I had a really low heart rate. I was just very, very unwell. And it was a, totally looking back like a female triad thing. I was eating probably as much as my friends, but exercising so much more. I'd wake up early and get extra running in. I ran all summer long, even when we were on vacation. I just had to get all my runs in. I followed the conditioning for our team to a T. Um, but it wasn't nourishing my body enough to make up for that. It was very regimented in what I eat and when I ate and not tuning into hunger signals, which if I had been, I would have known that my body was needing a lot more calories. Um, and that kind of like was a good shock for me, kind of got back to a healthier place and then going away to college, played club field hockey and ended up again, just getting into this, like being so adherent to a structure and a training program and a way of eating that I was losing touch with my body signals. And it wasn't intentionally like, I want to be so, so skinny or whatever. It was just like, this is what my day looks like from start to finish. I wake up and I don't eat anything. And then I exercise and then I eat this specific thing. And then I do my schoolwork and then I exercise again. And it just, it was such a routine. And I think that's why now in my life, I don't know that I've ever even unpacked this on any sort of platform. So here it goes. Um, I'm at a point where I refuse to, to, build in strict structure to my day because I know where it could lead me. So I've become so much more in tune with my body and my mind that I know I need to live based on a rhythm and I need to take every day and and moments throughout every day to tune into what my body's asking for. And some days that's really, really low carbohydrate, really, really high fat. Some days that's really more intense training. Some days that's higher carbohydrate. And it's just like learning about my body and what it needs in each day and each moment. Um, But so I, again, kind of fell into that in college and also became so restrictive that I cut out all meat um, and I became vegetarian and I fell into actually triathlon training, um, which another beautiful guise for a little bit of a disordered relationship with food and fitness um, because I was hiding behind competition again. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, I look back and I wasn't super unhappy, but I was not super present ever. I was always thinking about the next training. I, and I was always putting it above myself and above other people. Like I remember waking up at 5am on Christmas morning to get a run in, in the rain, you know, and, and kind of my family had to wait a little bit till I got back and like showered and, and got clothes on so we could do Christmas morning, just things like that, where I look back and I'm like, man, it's just, it's, it's not fair to anyone, especially myself to have put that kind of pressure and rigidity on my life and to have built my life so much around, um, exercise. It's just, it's so, it was such an unhealthy place. And I know I can look back so um, clearly and feel that same feeling of like, I don't have a choice. This is my life. I am, I was so wrapped up in that need and that structure of having to get like, you know, if not one, you know, typically two fitness 
um, sex, like sessions in a day. And the first one might be mostly cardio with a little bit of like, you know, some bicep curls and whatnot, and then do, having to do it again later, whether it was a jog or something. And I was just so attached to it. Um, and then, you know, I met my husband and I came into that same mindset and found CrossFit and was doing CrossFit for like two plus hours a day, which anyone who's done it knows that that is not how it works. Yes. <laughs> That's doing it wrong. <laughs> um, and I didn't have the prerequisite strength to be lifting heavy loads and to be just moving load period for that many hours a day and just overtraining, overtraining, over cortisol, over cortisol, so much stress on my body. And it finally quit on me in a way. Um, I ended up with in chronic pain in my suboccipitals, my neck, my upper back and my jaw that no doctor, Western or Eastern, no one could fix. No one could tell me what was exactly what was going on. But that's because I look back now, I think because I was so at odds with my body. I didn't trust that my body wanted to be well. I was just trying to like throw money at someone else to fix it and it would not go away. Um, and it was my first year of marriage and like, you know, I, I, it's a bummer that I went through that, but I wouldn't change the trajectory because it got me where I am now. And I remember the moment when I woke up and I was like, this might be my forever. And I don't know what triggered it, but I was thinking to myself, I have to seek help to learn how to cope with this because this could be forever. I, it's not, it's not resolving. Um, and at the same time, I didn't have a period at that point going on like four or five years. Um, and I was trying to like paleo really, really, really hard. Cause at that point I had added back in meat. So I would like pan sear liver and just close my nose and put it down. And I was doing everything quote unquote, right. Um, but again, still so at odds with my body feeling like my body was failing me versus that my body wanted to be well. And I just needed to create space for that. So I finally reached out I Googled mindfulness based therapy. And I'm still not to this day, not sure why it's not something I'd actually ever heard of before, but I typed it in cause I didn't, I knew that I didn't want to talk to somebody who was going to just try and label me with a diagnosis and give me medication. And I, I'm not saying that out of a place of medication is wrong or bad or failing. It's just not what I wanted for my story. Um, I wanted coping mechanisms that I could take into my everyday life to help me with the pain. And so I found this woman named Alexis and she has, she changed my life in many ways, or she helped me. I like to say it this way. She helped me change my own life um, by educating me with tools to bring into every day. And through working with her and seeing her for at the beginning, every single week, um, I ended up realizing that I needed to get out of the Bay area where we were living. And my husband and I need to kind of escape the stress of that, both of us together. And so he quit his job and I worked remotely for CrossFit at the time. And we moved to a very small town in Washington and the CrossFit gym there was way less competitive. And I just trained a few days a week and whatever capacity felt great for me. So like winning workouts, cause it was a mostly a retirement town, but that felt good. <laughs> and the other days I just walked and I, and I actually climbed trees and I plugged in podcasts on like like um, the well-fed women, which was then coconuts and kettlebells for my friend Noel, and just like approached my life differently and spent way more time outside, spent way more time barefoot, um, spent way more time connecting with myself and enjoying. And it was, this town was surrounded by local farms. And so just eating and embracing all the local food. And I think that was a huge transition for me too, knowing that I didn't have to be regimented and I could eat whatever my body asked for. And that local food grown down the street tastes so incredible in whatever capacity, especially when you throw a ton of fat on it. Um, and I drank a lot of organic hard cider from Thin River where my husband was working at the time. And I just relaxed into life and I had so much joy. And lo and behold, pain went away, disappeared. And I had changed nothing but those things. It was a, it was a, a little bit less intensity in the fitness, down-regulating my nervous system, being more intentional with food and just seeing more joy in life. Um, and adding in a little bit more CBD, potentially a little, <laughs> some edibles. And then, um, I pain went away and my period came back. And then we spent exactly a year there and Russ and I started talking about what we wanted more out of life in terms of more accessibility for travel and relationships and whatnot. Cause it was a pretty far removed town and back to Santa Cruz. And I came into motherhood with these tools that I am forever grateful for that have so transformed. I can only imagine what it would have been like to have a kid three years ago, you know, versus now. Um, and to have all these tools at my fingertips and to have had such an incredible prenatal and postpartum experience. And when I think about it that way, I would never change the trajectory or the pain or the stress or any of it because it brought me Evie <laughs> and, um, it's taught me so much that I can now share as often as possible with others. So 
And that was a long story. <laughs> and it's relatable in so many, I mean, every, so many things you said, I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> I work with so many women who relate. And I think that, you know, just hearing more stories like these, it's, I work with a lot of women and, and there's a lot of women in our group who kind of know that these things are, are valid and true. And okay, yeah, like I do need to relax a little bit and I do need to maybe stop dieting, but for whatever reason, it's hard to do. I mean, I guess for a million reasons it's hard to do, but I, I know that hearing stories from people who have done it and have just shown the, the real magic that happens when you can get there. And, and obviously like you're transparent, your journey wasn't super easy. It, you know, you had a lot of challenges along the way and you worked with other people to help you get to where you are. And I think that's just more validation for women and um, just more proof that the journey is worth it, even though it might be difficult. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> I was going to say yes, and we're in it together. I love that you mentioned and touched on that, like, I didn't do it alone because I sought out help. And, um, and also, like, my postpartum period, I had so many wonderful friends in Santa Cruz who had already been through it and who brought us food, like, super nourishing food and know the way we ate and didn't have to – I didn't have to ask them to bring certain things. And they just showed up, and they would just text me out of the blue to say, how are things going? And having that support and having that solidarity and camaraderie is so important, not just in – pregnancy and postpartum and motherhood. Yes, obviously in those, but also just in life as, as females <laughs> living this life and living in this world, we should be relying on each other and loving on each other and raising each other up. And I think that makes all the difference too. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like a social and connection aspect to mm -hmm. the journey, but to health in general. Absolutely. So now I just kind of want to talk about the the, the food piece in, mm -hmm. in terms of in, intuitive eating. Um, we, we talk about this a lot. This was something that was monumental in my own journey, like just figuring out I didn't have to follow a diet, even if that was like, quote unquote, the healthiest diet. Um, but I still find that so many women are so scared of this, especially those that have dieted their whole lives. I mean, we're so used to being on a diet or we're off a diet and there's nothing in between. So you know, what are maybe some tips or some advice that you have for these women who are afraid to break free from this restrictive approach, even though they know it's, it's not serving them? Yeah, I would say a few, it's, it's a few fold. Um, one, and this is a reality that I just, I don't think we can get around. And, and this is where it's, the lines are a little blurred. I do think it's super important to, at least for a period, eliminate hyper processed foods. I don't think we are able to, as humans to, um, truly connect to what our body is trying to tell us in terms of nutrition and what our body needs without getting rid of those hyper palatable non non real foods. And I don't know if anyone out there has read um, Rob Wolf's book wired to eat, but it's, it's not our fault that we want so badly to continue to reach for the processed foods. If that's what our body knows, because we are human when we are also animals and our ancestors had to eat whatever was available. And so now we still have those same genetics, right. And instincts. And we need to, get back to what it means to eat real food because our ancestors had like meat and vegetables and fruit and real food available. And they were able to tune to their full signals and satiated signals and stop where we are now um, inundated with these food items that are not real food. And they're so hyper palatable. And when you put processed salts and fats, like hydrogenated fats and sugar together, we, we don't, we physically don't have an off button. Um, and so I think one of the best things you can do to start is coming at it from a headspace of like, first off, figuring out your why, why do you want to eat more intuitively? And if that why is coming from a positive place of, I want to feel better, I want to be more present with my own body. I want to love myself a little bit more and fine. You have an aesthetical also great. You maybe want to lose some excess quote unquote excess body fat. If that's what your body needs and wants, um, as long as that's not number one, I don't think that there's a problem with having aesthetic goals at all, as long as they aren't causing you to be so deeply at odds with your body and not meet yourself where you are now. Um, so those things said, if your why is coming from a positive place, cutting out processed foods to start, and that could simply be any added sugar starting there and any processed fat. And when I say processed fat, I mean like vegetable oils, canola, any of the hydrogenated, like canola, peanut, soybean, what other, what other ones, rapeseed, safflower, sunflower, those, those um, kind of man-made oils and sticking to really high quality fat. And when you take out sugar and, and, and by default cutting out more carbohydrate, cause you are removing that food source of like, especially if a lot of your diet consists of sugary laden carbohydrate, 
replacing it with high quality fat, not just cutting something, but adding something super nourishing in. Um, and you'll find that in doing so, you're way more easily able, especially after like 21 days or so, you know, a few weeks, be, you're way more able to tune into what your body's actually telling you. So when it asks for a carbohydrate, if you've been eating like sweet potato and butter, right? That's what you're actually going to start craving because now your body remembers what those real foods do for it and the way that those real foods serve it. Or maybe you're, you can reach for like berries and like full fat plain yogurt or, you know, there's so many really incredible options. What I do sometimes is take frozen berries in the summer and pour grass fed heavy cream over it. And then the berries kind of like solidify the cream and it basically tastes like ice cream. So there's, there's a lot of things we can do to quote unquote replace the hyper palatable man-made processed foods with real food options. And you'll find that you'll eat way less of them because they're far more satiating and your body's better able to hear that stop signal because you are eating real foods that are not so hyper palatable that we we can't connect so that's step one and then also kind of falling back in love with food that was huge for me and understanding that it is okay to eat emotionally um, and that food serves us in many ways and so that might be celebrating with friends and in that celebration there's a you know there's a once you've kind of separated yourself from the potential addiction to processed foods and hyper palatable foods. And you're at a party with friends, you're celebrating your best friend's 30th birthday and you eat a cupcake and understanding that cupcake served you in an emotional way because you were celebrating with friends. And then after you're done with the cupcake, you can move forward with life and not dwell on the freaking cupcake and continue to think about the cupcake for the next three days or see the cupcake as a reason to just keep eating cupcakes. You know what I mean? And so um, food can serve us emotionally on um, this trip, for instance, like I've eaten some foods that I wouldn't typically eat. And I've had a couple of cocktails that might have more sugar than my, I know serves my body nutritionally, but it's in moments of celebration. And then I'm able to enjoy that moment, experience that with my husband and my kid, not the cocktail with the kid, obviously, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Um, and then move forward and, and have that memory as being a positive one, not a memory. I remember so vividly, like I can still remember years ago eating a thing and then dwelling on that thing for like a week because I ate it, you know, and now I can, I can move through life. And I, it was such an enjoyable experience. And then like, Hey, I'm, everything's great. And, and I'm still here. And in fact, when we eat from a stress space, so if you're eating that cupcake and at the same moment, feeling guilt and already feeling remorse and being so stressed about what that cupcake is doing to your body, it's going to have far more of a negative impact than it would if you ate it from a place of happiness and celebration. And same goes for super nourishing foods. If you're eating, like I was eating Weston A. Price paleo to the book and I still didn't get a period back and definitely eating enough calories, but it's because I was stressing so much about every food item I put in my mouth. So even nourishing foods, if you're stressed while you eat them and you're only eating them because you know you quote unquote should be, they're also not gonna serve you biologically on the, in the same way as they would if you're eating in a non-stressed state. So I guess the three things are, Figure out your why, cut out the processed junk, and then fall back in love with food um, and see it as a way to serve yourself in many ways. Amen. I love it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, I, I love the fall in love with food aspect, like, especially. I, I know one of the biggest frustrations I have with the intuitive eating movement is that depending on the source and where you're learning the information from, there are, I think, some kind of harmful um, recommendations, like eat whatever you want, no matter mm. what. And like you said, if you're continually, it's not that these foods are bad and you can't have them, you know, when you do want them and you choose them intentionally, but, you know, eating a cupcake every day just because you want a cupcake or just because you have cupcakes in the house, like that might not serve you and that might not help you be able to tune into your body because that sugar is definitely going to override a lot. But the fall in love with food thing stands out for me a lot with women because, um, you know, we're just kind of taught that food serves a purpose. Food is calories. Food is a way to manipulate our, our bodies. Mm -hmm. And I found for myself, this was so true. And so many women, like the joy of eating is taken away when you are so obsessed. Right. And yeah, we could dive down that rabbit hole, what stress does and how stress literally shuts off your digestive system. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's something that I want women to really, really think about is how many times have you eaten a food that, you know, was delicious, but you couldn't enjoy it because you felt guilty or how many times you were out to eat at a restaurant with friends celebrating something and you, you know, had to, you felt the, the need to maintain your strict diet and not mm -hmm. be able to indulge and kind of 
And then on the same note, like it's also okay to say no, thank you. And I think that's, that's empowering in and of itself too. Um, and not just what you just said, reminding me, cause it's like, it's okay to say, if you're out with friends, you also don't need to eat a food that you know won't serve you in either capacity. If you're feeling stressed about it and you know, it's going to create some anxiety. If it's going to create more anxiety to eat the thing than to not, then say no, thank you. And <laughs> that's also fine. People need to respect those boundaries, you know? Exactly. And I think that they're, um, it all comes down to, you know, intuition and knowing your body, but choosing things mm -hmm. intentionally. Like I know that yes. it's not going to serve me and I don't want to feel the way it's going to make me mm -hmm. feel. So I'm not going to choose it versus like, I know I might have a stomach ache later, but it's really worth it. Cause I don't get to eat this thing all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Um, so now I kind of want to talk into the movement aspect of this and, um, you know, again, tips for, for women who, are used to following programs or you know maybe somebody is like driving themselves into the ground with really intense workouts what are tips you have for you know the movement aspect of it and then maybe you can talk a little bit about your program and how you kind of yeah. incorporate all these different aspects so i think one thing that society has done a great job of fooling us into is that we have to spend like an hour or two in a gym setting and if we don't, it doesn't count. <laughs> and so one of the things is, and, and then coming into motherhood, I've realized that if I were to be so black and white, either I go to the gym and take a class or I, or I don't work out, right? I wouldn't have moved very much. Um, it's been incredibly empowering to learn and to watch other women in my world learn that we can incorporate movement throughout our entire day and see just as great results, whatever those results you might want are. Um, and our children are a load and we need to be functional all day long to be able to pick them up and nurse them and carry them and hold them and move them from here to there and keep up with them. And not just on the physical aspect, but also energetically, it takes, it requires a lot of work um, mentally and emotionally and physically to be a mom. Um, and so I have learned and I, and I love sharing with others and whether you're a mom or not, like this applies to all life. We're busy and it's okay to wake up in the morning and like get on the ground and flow for 10 minutes and then have breakfast and coffee and go to work. And then at work time, maybe before you have your lunch, you go for a walk and you get outside for a little bit and then you come back and you enjoy your lunch. And then maybe after work, you have a little bit of time while you're waiting for the bus. And so at the bus stop, you do like five rounds of 10 air squats and five inclined pushups on the bench. Um, and then you get on the bus and then you go home and then maybe you take a shower and have dinner and et cetera, et cetera. Like you, it's okay to spread it out. Um, it's okay to pick up random things throughout the day and, and to be super intentional. Like you drop your pencil on the ground instead of rounding out your back to pick it up. Be like, cool, an opportunity for a deadlift, set your back, get, get level, send your hips back and pick that pencil up. Every time we move, we have an opportunity to move functionally and to build fitness and strength and to rehab our bodies. Um, and so I feel like it's incredibly empowering to go about the day thinking about how cool our bodies are and how capable they are of moving all day long in so many capacities. Um, and that to me, and so I look at like when Edie wants to play and she loves getting chased and chasing right now mm -hmm. and how cool of an opportunity, instead of me being like, I'm too tired because I worked out for an hour. It's like, cool, let's make this fitness time. And so I'll chase her and then I'll pick her up and I'll run her back with her out in front of me, which is like building back strength and arm strength and core strength and leg strength. And then I'll, I'll put on my shoulders and do a bunch of squats or I'll do like thruster wall ball, like baby wall ball throws. Um, and she loves it so much. And I am getting bonding time with her and also loving on myself and also moving my body. Um, and my fitness has not decreased. I feel really great in my skin and I feel very strong and very capable. Can I back squat 200 like I have in the past? No. <laughs> Do I care? No. Um, and also my body feels way better than it ever has. Like I am in less pain. Um, and it's because I'm moving in ways that are uh, necessary for life, not in ways where I'm like pushing the limits. And I think pushing the limits back to the adaptation thing is important for our fitness, right? But for me, I was doing it like seven days a week and that there's no time to recover in there. And so I'm in a season right now, we're living in the van. I move every day without fail, but I'm not lifting heavy loads more than like a couple times a month. Um, and perhaps when we settle somewhere, if and when uh, I'll get back into it, I, I love CrossFit. I love CrossFit gyms and that community. And I would love to be a part of it again. Um, and we love dropping in when we can. But I also know that right now I'm serving my body with movement in the way that is necessary for our current life. And I've never been happier. So rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's something that, you know, we maybe kind of haven't dove into. It's just like seasons of life, mm -hmm. right? um, especially, you know, women that are working through 
a stressful time or like you said, like a motherhood transition or, um, you know, simply just life demands something from you at a certain point and you have to just shift priorities and you have to know that it's not forever. Um, you know, you can always return and, but also I think it, it just is a learning experience to figure out like you, I know that that was true for me. Like I struggled with leaving CrossFit for so many months and months, even though I knew it was right for my body. And I was like, oh my God, like that's a, that's a, a place of unknown. What am I going to do? But I think mm-hmm. that it can open up so many avenues of figuring out different ways to move and figuring out what your body really needs and knowing that you can always go back to the thing before when life maybe allows you or your body allows you to. Totally. And it goes back to that identity thing, right? We, I remember being so wrapped up and but I'm a CrossFit athlete. And if I take time off, then what, what am I like, what else do I have? And it's amazing how many doors open when you allow the space to realize that you can be so many things. Exactly. And, and again, all coming back to your why, like, what is your why for doing CrossFit? Mm-hmm. Is it because you want to be perceived as that? Or yes. is it because you, you genuinely love it and you want to compete and you have goals to reach or whatever? Um, I think that's, that's really important. So with the intuitively you program that you have, do you cover movement? Like how does, how does that program? So there's four modules, um, in the entire program. And actually I haven't really said this much publicly, but we are in the process right now of also divvying it up. So you can either purchase the entire program, which includes mindset to start and then nutrition and then movement and then self-love, or now it's being divided into three. You can just purchase mindset. And that's going to include self-love. You can just purchase nutrition, which will also include the self-love module, or you can just purchase the fitness and movement, which will also include the self-love because we feel like that is such an important component. We wanted to tack it onto the end of all three. Um, So starting probably in the next week, uh, so the second week of June, you'll be able to purchase either the entire program at a more discounted rate or individual um, and we really want to make it accessible. So the individual programs will all be less than $100. The, the full packages too. Um, we just, we wanted, we originally had thoughts of like making this way more, in, way not more intensive. The program is exactly how it's always been planned. But we wanted to make it as accessible to as many women as possible. So we actually cut the price back significantly to play, uh, than we had planned because we feel like I have beauty counter work that has really been a, a huge blessing in our life and that it allows me to create other courses and programs and offer them at very affordable prices so that I can reach as many women as possible and to offer like the podcast, the modern mama's podcast as a free resource. Um, because my, my heart screams that it wants to support women. And so, um, the, the course does, it offers all three of those. There's a video, there's a workbook and PowerPoint that you can print out. Um, there are worksheets and like homework for every module as well. And then you get added to a Facebook group where they're sharing and connecting and camaraderie and solidarity and questions asked and all that too. Um, and we're still in the infant stages. Like we're still making edits as we get feedback and we're so grateful for that when people sign up and they email us and be like, Hey, we found that, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that there was a typo in there. You know, um, we were going to do a beta as well. And we didn't, we decided just to make it public because the beta required that, anyone who signed up, signed up on a certain date and finished on a certain date. And we had so many women say, I want to do it so badly, but I don't know if I can do it in that four week period. So we're like, forget it. We're making it available to everyone. It's entirely self-paced. Um, and that means that it's still new. And so we're, we're so proud of our work. We are so proud and we're so grateful for the community and the support and the people who signed up and who've given us incredible feedback and also super like constructive feedback. And, um, when you sign up, you have, you have life for access for life. So if, and when we make changes as we move forward and obviously research is constantly changing and we're going to update things as they do, um, you always have access to it. So it's a pretty cool program. I'm really proud of it. Um, and then, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions about fitness and programming and I was doing a lot of one-on-one programming, which I still do and absolutely love if you're looking for something that's very specific to your needs. But I also decided to put out some online programs. Um, and so I have two different six week programming courses, I guess, out there. Um, one is a uh, specific to postpartum. So it's a six week postpartum fitness program. And the other one is fitness and flow for all. So every week has three workouts. It includes flow and accessory work and breath work. Um, and what's beautiful about it, in my opinion, is that every single uh, workout has three options, one for just body weight, one for minimal equipment, like to be done at home, or one for a full gym setup. And so ultimately it's 18 weeks of programming because you could go through it just body weight and then add a little bit of load, go through another time and then add a little bit of load and you're scaling up that way. Um, or ultimately I just wanted to empower women to, I think if you can get someone to program for you for six weeks, 
then you're given all these tools and a better understanding of your body to move forward and, you know, repeat workouts or tweak them just a little bit. So I really think six weeks is enough time to build strength, repair, recover, um, and then move forward with the empowerment of working out on your own, or maybe you feel ready to join a gym and participate in classes or whatever it is. So, and then in the works, I have a, just a flow program. So it'll be a number of flows for different needs, whether it's like low back pain or stress relief or energizing or travel days or whatever. I'm going to have a whole series of flows. Cause I get asked about those all the time. Cause I always post them on Instagram and like sped up. People are like, slow down. I'm like, no, I'm going to make a program. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, um, you know, I watch your flows and I feel like that, that they inspire me sometimes where I feel like, all right, get up, move. I, I've actually started doing them in the morning as well. And I think Yay. Like, during pregnancy, it's helped a lot. So I have to check out your, your postpartum program for, for Oh, that. I love that. I'll have I to hook you up. Positive. Yeah. I love how <laughs> everything is. And, and it's like, there's something for everyone and you still like build in the intuition. Like even when you said there's three choices for different um, you know, for each workout, I, I also see that as like, some days I want to lift weights and some days mm -hmm. I just don't. And yeah. like, I can, that sounds really great. And there's just lots of, uh, I can't help but put the empowerment in there. Like you still get to choose. I'm not, I'm not holding your hand all the way. hundred <laughs> percent. I love it all. Um, all right. I want to transition quick in our last few minutes, because obviously we can't talk about all the intuitive living and like working through the ebbs and flows of life without talking about van life and everything that's going on with you. So I want to just, you know, share with our listeners a little bit about this whole adventure, um, like how it happened, what you've learned from it, how it's like helped you slow down and be more present and tap more into your intuition. Yeah. So it's so funny, like coming full circle from that story I told in the beginning about how I was so restrictive and regimented that this, this never, ever, ever, it would have been something that I would have been like, that's cool. And I would have wanted to the part and be like, yeah, I'm super flexible. I could do that, but no way. <laughs> and now I can literally say without a doubt that I have never in my life been happier. And so it's a direct trajectory thing, right? We are on the road. We let, so we moved into the van quote unquote, um, late December and then did our first trip up to, we were living in Santa Cruz and parking outside of family and friends houses. And then we did a trip up to the Pacific Northwest and that was like a combination of staying in the van, but also staying in families and friends homes. And it didn't really feel that real. It was that felt like a vacation where we're visiting people. Um, and then we went down to San Diego and that, in all honesty, that trip was really hard. Um, a lot of, I think that was where we did a lot of processing and the weather was really crappy and Rusty got a surprise seminar in Australia. So I did a lot of it alone. I actually ran the van into a roof. Um, it was on his birthday. It was a lot. And we had some family stuff. So just, that was a harder month for us. That was February. And then we came back and we kind of did some soul searching and we prepared and got the van fixed and, we left for this trip early April and we left uh, Paso Robles where Rusty's mom lives um, in, in uh, Central Coast and then hit Joshua Tree and um, Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Arkansas, North, or Tennessee, North Carolina, DC, then we're in Maryland, my gosh, Pennsylvania, New York City, Jersey, Vermont, Connecticut, and now Portland, Maine. And I'm so obsessed with this place. Um, and all throughout that journey, I, I kid you not, it's been so many more ups than downs. Like, of course, there's tricky things that come up, but that's parenthood, that's relationships, that's life. Um, overall, though, I feel like the three of us are so much happier than we were in our condo in Santa Cruz, where we felt pretty suffocated and pretty trapped. Um, because of HOA rules, we couldn't rent it out or Airbnb it. And because of finances, we couldn't really afford to travel without having some sort of reimbursement, you know, by renting it out. So we just, we felt pretty trapped. And I've had it in my bones since in my entire adult life that I wanted to be on the road. We've almost done this multiple times. We um, almost bought an Airstream and did it three years ago, pre EV. And then my body said, it's time to have a child. So we ended up settling in Santa Cruz, but yeah, the ins and outs, we really have found a good rhythm. I, my work has been more um, productive and creative and full than it's ever been in my life. And I work for myself, which is amazing. I um, am constantly connected with so many incredible women through beauty counter and the podcast. And my husband is a, freaking gem and my kid is so happy 20 she's she'll be two in two weeks and um this has been the most fun by far I mean she's been fun her whole life but she's really settled into this life and seems to love it there I'm right now recording in the van in a Whole Foods parking lot in Portland Maine and they walked to the library so they're at the library playing and then when I'm done um I'll go grab them and we'll 
see what the day has in store. Um, we've really found a good rhythm. She takes, she sleeps super well. We've co-slept her whole life. So sleeping in the van, we share a, like a full size bed in here. Um, and then naps, she sleeps like a champ in the van, like two, three hour van naps. So Rusty and I get alone. Cause we get that question all the time. Like, how do you get alone time? And when she naps, we get a lot of it. Um, and I'm sure I could do an entire episode on intimacy and whatnot, but we find, you know, we find ways. And I feel like there's a lot of ways to be intimate without actual, um, intercourse <laughs> and not that that never happens, but you know, we get times where we stay in friends and family's homes or every once in a while we'll get an Airbnb when we feel called to, or, you know, we don't have a mortgage and we, um, don't do like theme parks and amusement parks and we don't stay in super like fancy places. So we spend our money and we enjoy this experience through the food and the drink and really focusing on in quality and ingredients and, and being local. And then every once in a while we'll get a hotel or an Airbnb. Um, we've done it like, I think a total two hotels this whole trip. And then one was for my brother's wedding. Um, and then Airbnbs every once in a while, like if Rusty's traveling long-term and I don't, we don't have a set place to sleep or park for the night. Um, I just feel safer getting a spot for Evie and I to stay in while he's gone. But mostly friends and family have been incredible in opening up their driveways. We found that we mostly love staying in the van and parking outside because that's our home, you know, versus like coming in and out. Um, yeah, it's been so freeing. We've met the most incredible people. I've never connected with so many wonderful humans in my life. Um, it just opened my eyes to the beauty of this country. We've, we've seen, gosh, I can't even, I've lost count of how many national parks we visited. We spent so much time outside. Um, and I'm just, I'm so grateful because it's changed my perspective of the country as a whole and of people in general. And there's so much goodness, you guys, so much goodness. And I'm a big believer in manifestation and energies. And I, I believe we put out a manifestation to take this trip and to meet people and to really experience places. And that's what's happened. Um, so people are kind, they want to help, they want to support, they want to hear our story, they want to learn. Um, and we just have to like hold the space for people to open up. But also, we have to hold space for our own family unit and make sure that we get in between social periods throughout this trip that we also have times that it's exclusively us and just the three of us. And um, we've really found that balance. And it's been I think it's made all the difference. That's awesome. I am like, just I love following your journey. It's nobody follows or whoever's listening to this, if they're not following you yeah. on Instagram and also your YouTube channel, it's just, it's been a while awesome. since you've done one of those. Um, but I, I love, I mean, I love seeing how it impacts you and like everything that you talk about the ups and downs, but I think it's really cool to see you doing this with a toddler. Mm. And like, for me, this is a selfish kind of question, but, um, you know, not that my husband and I live in a van or, or I think that maybe one day we would like to do it, but um, we like to travel. We like to take day trips. We like to explore. We like to kind of have our uh, spontaneity and uh, spontaneity. spontaneity. Yes. I and think. Um, so one thing, and I kind of want to just cover this quick uh, with the, the whole motherhood transition and journey. Mm -hmm. I'm so tired of hearing people saying how my life is going to come to an end once the baby's here and that traveling and other fun things that we like to do are going to stop. So what, where do people get off telling you that? It's crazy. I mean, it's projecting as, ultimately. Of course. And as you know, when you're pregnant, people say the crazy thing. Oh my gosh, thing. no filter. No filter. <laughs> but what are like pearls of wisdom that you have? Because it seems that I just love to see how you, your, your mindset around this and how Evie just adapts. And yeah. what are some pearls of wisdom you have for people that are kind of thinking like, oh, I, I can't do this because I have a kid or I want to have a kid? Yeah, I think a, a big game changer for us, and this could be another whole episode. You guys should talk to her, but Eliza Parker, mm -hmm. who's an aware parenting expert. Um, mm -hmm. It's crazy to go back to like a parenting style and we didn't ever like subscribe to any specific dogmatic approach, but we did dri drizzle in, dribble in, I don't know, different ideas that resonated with us. And that was one of them was the importance of letting Evie feel her feelings mm -hmm. and not trying to quiet her or shush her or shut her up when she's crying. As long as her needs are met, she's fed and warm and has a clean diaper and she's in one of our arms, we would let her cry when she needed to cry. And I cannot say enough good things about that and the freedom that it's also allowed us as a family and the ability it's given Rusty and I to really be in tune with her needs. And so that said, we always hold the space for her and we let her tell us and feel her feelings and we are very in tune with her because of that. So we have then incorporated her into our life and the things that we love to do understanding that we also have a very easy ability to understand when she's done 
and when she needs a break and when she needs just alone time, when she needs a nap, when she needs to eat. And so the freedom that it's given us to be super in tune with her needs by allowing her to feel and also being okay feeling in front of her. And as a family unit, the three of us are very comfortable feeling what we need to feel. And I think that's one of the greatest gifts as a new parent that you can give yourselves and each other and your child is that it's okay to feel things. We don't, life isn't always going to be easy, but we can process those things. We can communicate with each other and say, I need a break, pump the brakes. I want to stay in today. Or like, Hey, we're all on the same page. Let's go out. Let's explore. Let's travel. Um, and that's why my hashtag for this trip has been adventures, eats and audibles because there's been so many audibles because one of us or all three of us wanted an extra day in a place or needed a down day or didn't feel like being social or whatever the case may be. Um, and so you, your child can be a part of your life. You don't have to stop your life for your kid. In fact, I feel like that will, in some cases, I know it might be necessary because of extenuating circumstances or whatever the case may be, but for the most part, we can incorporate them into our world and avoid potential, I don't know, animosity or things are going to shift. And I will also note that Rusty and I were not like night people. We didn't go out and like, party. We didn't stay out super late. Um, we like eating great food. We like breweries and cideries and being outside and going to the beach and hiking. And a lot of the things that we love, it's pretty easy to have a kid enjoy as well. Um, and so by starting her early, I think like you know, seven days postpartum, maybe I walked to a cidery across the street or a brewery across the street from where we were living. And I held her and had like a little mini cider and just felt so good to be out. Um, so meet yourself where you are. If you're, if, and obviously many, some women end up, many women end up with postpartum anxiety or depression, and that's a whole nother story. But, um, going into motherhood with this mindset of like, I can still, I'm still going to be me very much myself, but now I'm adding in this joy of also being a mom also not, I am just a mom. Um, and setting yourself up to have a lot of support and, and giving yourself space to decide what and when you want to do things postpartum. If you feel like going out, great. If you feel like being social, great. If you feel like you need space, great. I think just giving ourselves permission to feel what we need to feel is ultimately what it comes back to. And that's what allowed us to do all the things that we've done with her is that we also know when she wants to stop doing the things, you know? <laughs> You're in tune to her needs. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for that. I'm sure that our listeners can benefit from that, but that was helpful for me. So oh, I'm so glad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited to just like take him along. Like that's my, I'm like, again, he's going to fit into our lives. And it's, mm -hmm. it's tough because people do project it. People do say things and um, ultimately it is, it is our decision. And that's awesome. Yeah. And I think also a lot of, a lot of us get so wrapped up in, pregnancy and, and labor and delivery. Remember that there's a lifetime of motherhood after that. Um, and that however that experience goes for you, what's most important is what happens after that baby's in your arms. And there's no like, I, and this is not what you asked, but <laughs> it's something that I'm very passionate about right now. Um, I believe that we should all be empowered to make choices and have our babies the way that we want, but also we can't control that. And so one of the words that I um, embrace during pregnancy and labor and delivery. And then also postpartum is the word surrender, which again is like the opposite of what I would have told myself five years ago. I was fighting everything. Um, surrender doesn't have to be a bad thing. Just like stress doesn't have to be a bad thing. And I think surrendering to the fact that you can't control everything, um, but you can embrace the journey and just knowing that like if, if your labor and delivery doesn't go the way that you like your birth plan said, and mine did. And I still believe this adamantly, like what matters more than anything is after and if it doesn't go the way that you want, allowing yourself space to process that too. Like it's okay to be pissed about it. Um, it's okay to process that with your kid and sit there together and cry because it didn't, it wasn't the experience that you'd hoped. And that's also fine to feel however you need to feel, but then also know that like now you get this incredible opportunity to mother a child and to raise a future citizen and to have this relationship that's unlike any other. And it's pretty, pretty rad. <laughs> I'm excited for it. I'm so excited. Oh, cool. I'm excited for you. Oh, everything's so empowering. I love it. Oh, it's so good. So we have to get finished up, which is yes, sad, but super you know, sad. We'll have you back because I feel like there's so many different things that we can chat about. But I want you to come on mine. Okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm talking to Jess in a couple weeks, which is oh, perfect. Um, so where can people follow along in your journey and learn more about everything that you're doing and offering? My website is live now, but it's actually undergoing like a whole reboot. So you can find it at um, myradicalroots.com. But most of what I'm sharing right now is on Instagram, which is uh, at laura.radicalroots. And you can find links to everything from there. I offer the programs we talked about. I also do a lot of one-on-one -on -one consulting if that suits your needs more. Um, 
and all of my con consults include like nutrition and movement and mindset all under this umbrella of like self-care and kind of diving in from there. Um, and then, yeah, I have my programming and more to come. And then we have the Modern Mamas podcast. And you can also find that on Instagram. It's just at Modern Mamas podcast. And we're on all the platforms. So awesome. those okay. are the big things now. Yeah. We will link to everything. I'll link to everything in the show notes. But if somebody's like listening to the podcast, I know I do this all the time. I'm like listening to podcasts and like follow right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we'll link to everything. Thank you so much. And Thanks for having me. This is such a treat. Yeah, this is great. I can't wait to put this out into the world and continue to follow and, you know, we'll chat soon. Looking forward to it. Bye, friend. Thank you so much. Thank you.